Welcome to Momentum Church. good to see all y'all here today. I want to take one quick second for all of us to just take a moment and celebrate and welcome both people that are watching online and those who are in our overflow room. In other words, you're in their seat. You got here first. And so we just want to, this is actually a, a, an appreciation applause. It's not a, <laughs> I got here first applause. All right. So, but let's just thank those for watching. Yeah. And, um, and so, yes, yeah, so it's so good to be able to be here today. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to get right into the Word because I want to get back into worship. I want to get into a place today where we can just seek the Lord a little bit, all right? Is that all right if we do that? Amen? And um, how many know that the, the church should be an active place? It shouldn't just be a place where we sit passively, worship, listen to the preacher. I mean, we get to encounter the presence of the Lord in this house, amen? And so we're going to... Here in a little bit, but on the way there, I, I want to ask you something. Um, how many has been through something in life where you got frustrated at God? Okay, yeah. How many's going through something like right now? You're frustrated with God. I mean, being okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Every single one of us has been there, experienced right now. But at times, you can almost question: Is God for me or against me? Have you ever felt that way, or am I just I like, Pastor? You're a reprobate. No, I think all of us at times can feel that way. Like, God, are you against me here? You know, or, or do you love me, God? Have you ever doubted the love of God? Maybe, maybe in your mind you know, I know he loves me. I sang it as a kid. Yes, Jesus loves me. I, mean, I know he loves me, but my heart right now feels as if I'm missing out on something. Like, Lord, I feel like I'm, if you love me, I wouldn't be going through the stuff I'm going through right now. You ever feel that way? I think many of us at times can, can feel that way, you know? And the, and the thing I want you to understand, bad things do happen. That does not mean that when those bad things are happening every time that the favor of God has been lifted off of you or the love of God has been lifted off of you. Amen? But sometimes it can feel that way. Um, if you think about Joseph of old, you know, he, he ends up in a pit, doesn't even have a stitch of clothes anymore. I mean, like they, the, the, that beautiful robe his father made for him that was a symbol of his daddy's favor over him, it's gone. And he's in a pit. But guess what? In the pit, then later on in the prison, and then finally in the palace, God's favor was on him the whole way. God's favor never left him. The love of the Father never left him. Both his earthly father, but also heavenly father, never left him. But I am sure there are times in his life that he felt that way. Like, I don't get this. For me, the favor of God lifted off my life, I felt, in junior high. How many the favor of God? Be honest. Junior high was And it was like, you know, can I be honest? I'll be honest. I was a, a um, um, primary school prince. I was. I was a grade school giant. I was. How many was the stuff in elementary? Anybody? I'm just being honest. I was the stuff. I was athletic. I, 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 I would fight. I shouldn't fight, but I'd, I would win. I would. There was two brick walls at our school. This is a Baptist elementary school. And there's two brick walls that went side by side, just the perfect distance apart. They went all the way up and had Baptist Temple up on top of it. That was the name of the church. It was one of those really fundamental, independent Baptist. Even other Baptists weren't good enough. <laughs> it was one of those. 
And, and I, I, I would go up those walls. I mean, I, could, I, could, I mean, it was probably 40 feet up in the air, you know. So long story short, after fourth grade, my dad was asked not to bring me back to school anymore. I was kicked out of that school, not allowed to go back. And, and my next year in elementary school wasn't too bad. But then our school dumped into the inner city school. And, and guys, next thing I know, my junior year, my sixth and seventh grade years were tough. Every all the favor I felt as a young and it was gone. It was just gone. Every day it was torment. Every day I got my, my, my stuff handed to me. You know what I mean? It just was not a good. And then part of that was because at school you had Run DMC t-shirts, right? Or you had like, this was like back in the 80s, early 80s when you had the Rolling Stones re, you know, the 1980s tour, right? I'm preaching to some heathens. I know that. I'm preaching to heathens. I know this. And so you had the Rolling Stone t-shirts and you had the Run DMC t-shirts. My parents sent me to honest, Dad had in his head that you shouldn't wear t-shirts. You need to wear nice shirts. And, and No, let your kid wear a t-shirt to school. At least. And so, yes, so I, I, was, I, I was no wizard. And, um, and it was just a tough couple years. But here's the thing I want to tell you. There was a five and dime on the way to school and back. And, man, I would get on that BMX after detention, because that was about every day, too. I never grew out of that. You can ask Amy. All through high school, I lived in detention. And, and so I'd get on that BMX, and I'd ride up to the five and dime on the way home from school. And they had something. Lemon heads. Hmm. For 25 cents, I could bury my sorrows in a box of lemon heads. You know what I'm saying? All the bitterness of the week, oh, in that moment, there was sweetness. In that moment, it took all the stuff away. It was just a little joy in that week for a quarter, for 25 cents, and I could enjoy that. And, and I know that sounds silly, but I'm just being honest. I'm making light of it, but it was tormenting. It was a, a, it was a couple of years. It was tough, but they made me soft-hearted toward people that go through injustices. They made me soft-hearted toward people that have pain and struggles and, and, and feel like they're not in favor any longer. Feel like maybe they don't feel like the love of God is upon them. You know, It really shaped me, but, but probably not as much as the joy of lemon heads. That just, ah, oh, something about it, you know. And Amy knows still to this day, this is a nemesis. I do not buy these anymore, thank you, Lord. I've been delivered. I even pulled one out as an illustration in the first service, and it went back in the box. Because of COVID, that'll be thrown away. I won't give that to nobody. I won't, I promise. But let me say it this way. Sometimes it's just the little things that you need to make the difference. Sometimes it's just that little thing. Everything else could be taken away from you. But if you've got that one little thing that remains, that one little thing you can hope for, that one little thing you can look to, sometimes that little thing that remains is enough. And I love it how God at times, in the middle of the things we go through, if we all start to look for, God, what are you doing in this? What's that little thing in the midst of this to make all the difference in the world? I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to look at scripture this morning, a good long passage, Daniel chapter 4. <coughs> And this is a story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was the man who um, threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. Um, he saw God do a work, that, that fourth man in the fire that we just sung about. He saw God do a work in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or in that group of men. And um, the three that were in the furnace plus Daniel. He, he saw God doing a work with those Hebrew young people. And he began to extol the Lord. But there was still a lot that Nebuchadnezzar was needing to, to have worked out of him. Let's say it that way. 
Some of the stuff we go through is self-induced. Like, like God allows it because there's some stuff we need to go through. Amen? Some of the stuff we go through, just a fallen world we live in, guys. But what I want you to understand is whatever you're going through, it's God's love is still there. God's favor is still there. And we're going to get there, all right? So King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Now, he just saw these Hebrew children not burn up in the fiery furnace. And now he's beginning to extol who the God of the Hebrews was, Jehovah, our God. Verse 3, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. It's like he's been going to church a little bit, you know, just hearing the goodness of the Lord a little bit. And he's recounting what he's experiencing and seeing. He even says in verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Father, in the name of Jesus, for some in this room right now house and they feel like in their dwelling for others lord there it's been a long time since they felt that ease whatever that might be god but today lord we look to you and we ask that you would help us to understand before we finish today what you can do with the little things that we place in your hands in jesus name we pray amen if you would go ahead and have your seat i'm looking forward to the day when i can tell people hey why don't you go ahead and hug a neck you know we don't do that anymore. Hey, turn to your neighbor and high five. We don't you touch a neighbor, right? We, I miss those days. Those days will come again. Some people are like, I love this. This is exactly how Jesus wants it to be, right? <laughs> but listen, going through a season of blessing, that's what it sounds like Nebuchadnezzar was going through. He's looking around, realizing he's blessed, you know. But then sometimes you go through seasons of trial, you go through seasons of struggle. And there was something that God was going to work out of Nebuchadnezzar. And in Daniel 4, chapter 4, verse 5, we start to see this. He has a dream. And it says that this dream made him afraid. He said, as I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. And what he started to see in verse 11 and 12 was a big tree, gigantic tree that reached all the way up into the heavenlies. And this tree see that this tree was a representation of himself and his kingdom. And he has seen the glory and the majesty of this tree rising up. He, a tree throughout scripture has always been a sign of prosperity. Trees are a sign of fruitfulness, a sign of success, a sign in revelations of healing. Trees are good things in scripture. A sign of a place where Jesus hung and died. So that we could have life and life abundant. Amen. Trees, trees have significance in scripture. And so we see this tree rising up. And it says, <clears throat> I saw in the vision of my head as I lay in bed. Let me, let me go back a little bit. I'm going to get to 13 in a second. It says that the tree grew and became strong. And its top reached to heaven. It was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. And the birds of the heavens lived in the branches. And all flesh was fed from it. So this tree is full of fruit. Say provision. provision. So it's a symbol of provision. This tree is full of and the beasts of the air take refuge and shelter and, and shade amongst this. So it's full of life. Say life. Yeah, so it's a symbol of prosperity, success, 
provision, life, all those kinds of things. But then what happens is in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, he sees in the vision an angel that comes down from heaven. Behold, a watcher, a holy one, comes down from heaven. And in verse 14, he proclaims aloud and he says, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. <coughs> Let the bees flee from under it and the birds from its branches. So you begin to see God's hand, if you will, come up against this, 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 this tree. And we'll learn here in a little bit that for him, it was because he had so much pride in his own accomplishments. And so God's hand comes up against it. But verse 15, when God begins to deal with this tree, I love this. And this is just the nature of our Lord. This is how he works. It says, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth. Bound with a band of honor and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth. So we can see in the middle of this, this chopping down, this destruction of all that was his provision. This is everything he leaned into. Maybe for you it's your spouse. Maybe for you it's your, your job. It's your finances. It, maybe for you it's been your health. And you've had good health all your life. And now everything you've always extolled that, that, that you, I'm not saying you took it for granted, but all those things that were in your life that, that was like, I take my refuge here. Here it's all starting to be chopped down. But not all of it. Leave the stump. Everybody say leave the stump. There's something small that remains that God would not let the angel's hand come against. He allowed there to be something to remain. Leave the stump. That stump could have been destroyed. It could have been burned with fire. It could have been pulled up. Whatever. Which is a lot of fun, people. I had some stuff in my front yard that needed to be pulled out. If you need stuff pulled out, I got a truck and a chain. Call me. So much fun. But when things in your life feel like that, not so much fun. When things are being removed, you know. And so this stump is supposed to be left. And to me, it's just God's way of showing that he always leaves something. In verse 26 through 27, it says, And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. In other words, you're seeing the authority of heaven. You're understanding the flow of what God is doing. You're partnering with the government. Heaven rules, the government of God. As you start to understand that, as you start to see there's a purpose in all this, and I'm not the center of the universe. As you start to see this, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities, by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. As you start to see this, God's like, I'm going to bring it all back. But you got to go through some stuff. you got to experience some stuff. Right now, And I just want to tell you right now, you may be facing some difficult days, but God is saying, I won't leave you with nothing. Amen? It can feel like it because we're not looking. We're looking at what's lost. We're, we're saying <coughs> there once was this tree that had all this provision and all these beasts and all these birds, everything. Look at this tree. Well, can I just frankly tell you, the tree's gone, honey. The tree's gone, sir. It is gone. So we can look to what's not there anymore, or we can say, okay, God, what are you doing here? What, what are you working on behalf? Because all things work together for the good of those who love God, right? Those who are called to his purpose. So, Lord, I'm not going to get bitter in this. It would be easy to take the lemons life's given me and get bitter, but, but God, I'm not. 
Because there's still something that remains. There's a stump. I just got, I got to look for it. I, I, can't, I can't be lost looking for the stump because all I can do is keep my eyes to the heavens saying there used to be branches here. God, there used to be. There used to be something here. In my marriage, there used to be love here. In my marriage, there used to be desire here. In my find joy to go to work here. In my provision, there used to be some more zeros in the backside of the bank account here. You know, like, and it's easy to look to be rather than go, what are you about to do here? What are you about to create? Because I still know there's a stump. There's something that still remains. Amen? That thing that remains, I believe, is holy. That thing that remains, I believe, is sweet. That little thing, I think, is good. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm running ahead of myself. And so God, all through Scripture, you can see how this principle plays out. There's always that little that remains the way of using. Think about the woman, son, and she was down to the last little bit of oil and the last little bit of meal, and the prophet comes along and tells her to make a cake for him first. Put, put me first, if you will, or put God first, if we look at it that way, and, and create out of your lack. All you have is that little that remains, but make for me first. first. Put your attention on me first. Don't look at what you don't have. What you do have, use it now first. And she takes the oil. She takes the meal. She makes a cake, blesses the man of God, and next thing you know, God brings increase and anoints right at that little place where all there was was just a little that remained. But throughout the rest of the famine, that meal barrel never ran dry. That oil jar never grew empty. Why? Because the little that remains is enough when God puts his hands on it. Amen? That's enough every time. But, but God, this is all I have left. I know. I let you to have all that touch you have left. That's, I understand. I'm working this all out for you. Don't despise the little that you have. Because you keep your eyes on what once was. I think of the little boy. Who Jesus is going to feed thousands on a hillside, and all that remains, he just has a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. Puts it in the hands of the Lord, and in doing so, Jesus blesses it, breaks it, and begins to press, press, begins to pass that out. And as he passes it out, guess what's so neat? There's enough that remains of the little bits that when the disciples start to collect it, there's enough of little bits to fill twelve full baskets. The little remains. It didn't just, I'm not impressed by the feeding of the 5,000. I've always been impressed that there was enough to fill five or 12 baskets full, the exact number of disciples. I was impressed that Jesus thought enough about mama to let, you know, like take some back to mama. So sweet. But just start with just a little bit in the hands of the Lord. Yeah. And so we can see this story, Nebuchadnezzar, he loses his kingdom. As you read the scripture, you'll start to see he actually loses his mind. That dew that would be upon him, he lives like an animal outside for almost seven seasons. doesn't say how long the seasons are. I'm venturing to say years, probably. And so he goes from everything that he knew to everything that he didn't have in that moment. And, and, and with that, loses it, loses it all. Here's what he said. He was up there on the, the, the wall of the palace residence. 
And he says, is not this great Babylon which I've built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. That's heavy. His pride is arrogance. Is this cutting in and out? All right. His Wow, that's loud. His pride and his arrogance was robbing him from being able to move on what God had next. And God loved and cared for him enough that he was going to allow some stuff to be removed, leave something to remain to bring forth fresh life again from, but he was going to allow a work to take place in Nebuchadnezzar's life. God always works this way. He lost his mind. He lost his kingdom because of pride. But let me ask you this. What about you? You know you're doing everything right, or at least you're trying. And it seems like life has handed you lemons. Like, I get it, Nebuchadnezzar's story, you know. But, but what about God's people? You. What about, like, a Joseph? What about you? And I got to thinking about Job. Job is probably one of the most righteous men Scripture ever speaks of. And so I want to look at Job real quick. And I know you're like, Ross, there's a lot of stories here. There is. Because the Scripture teaches this principle left and right. That God uses the little that remains. And so here's the story of Job. Satan comes to God for permission to come up against Job. And Satan says to God, the only reason Job serves you is because you bless him so much. God said, you know, I have a protection around him. I have, if you will, a hedge around him, and you can't touch him. And I believe Satan's like, you're right. That's why he's so blessed. Who wouldn't praise you if you had all that material stuff? Who wouldn't praise you, God? If, if, you were, if anybody else was Job, they'd praise you too. Look at all the blessings of his family. Look at all that he has. And so God says, all right, you take, I'm going to take hedge one away. I'll take that protection away. And you can touch this man. You can come and do something to this man. But here, there's another hedge. There's always something that remains. So I'm going to take hedge one away, but I'm going to put hedge two up. You can take his stuff, but you can't touch his body. So you can take all this, but his body's going to remain. Okay? And so, all right. That's what happens. Next thing you know, the enemy does what the enemy does. And... God always leaves something. You can touch everything, but you, you can't touch his body. And the enemy attacks, takes his livestock, his barns, literally his children's lives. He loses his family except for his wife and his business, all in a fail swoop pretty much. And, and I'll be honest, Job was human. When you look at Scripture, it says that he arose. When he heard the information that his kids were killed and all this stuff happened, it says he arose, he tore his robe, which is a sign of grief, and a sign of mourning in that culture. It says that he shaved his beard. That's Again, that's another sign of their, of their mourning. He shaved his head, rather. Not his beard, his head. And it says he fell to the ground. But he didn't stop there. Watch this. The enemy comes against him. It says he fell to the ground and worshipped God. That's heavy. In that moment, here's how he said it. Job goes, naked I came into this world. And naked I'll go out. The Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
In other words, Job looked to the small thing. And here's, here's the way I pictured it as I'm thinking about this. That if I came in this world naked and I leave this world naked, everything else in between is a party, baby. I mean, everything else I walk in, everything else I receive. Yeah, it may be everything I don't, it may not be all that I want. It may be I wish I had some more. Wish it wasn't so hard. But, but Job got it. He's like, he's looking to the gravy. He's like, yeah, I came in naked. I'll leave naked. But you know what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Kept his eyes on, on the Lord. And so Satan comes back. If you let me attack his body and, and I make him sick, he will curse you, God. Well, remember the last hedge. You can touch all this, but you can't touch him. And so now God says, okay, I'll, I'll let down hedge two, but I'm going to put hedge three up. And so God says, you can touch his body. But you can't take his breath. You can't take his life. <clears throat> Why? Because God always leaves something remain. Always leaves something. Always leaves a stump. And so the Lord will allow the enemy to touch Job, but not his life. There's always a hedge of some sort. And, and what's wild is, even his wife... When he got sick with the boils, when he got sick, his wife even said, like, look at you serving God like this. Look how you look. You know, why don't you curse your God and die? And he looked at her and said, shut up, woman. <laughs> he didn't. But I give all pastors permission, or all church folk permission to say that to your wife if she tells you to curse God and die. All right? Now, it's the only time. The only time. But we have scriptural precedence, right? So if your wife says, curse God and die, you say, what do you say, man? Shut up, woman. No, that's see, I felt horrible, didn't it? Like you, you almost got elbowed. <laughs> ah, no, but but he wasn't going. Like she's like even saying, "This is a too much." You know, my kids are lost. All this, just curse God and die. There's always a hedge. It's what you have that remains that's going to frustrate the devil's plan. You see that? I don't know what's left in your life. That thing that remains and what you do to manage what remains in your life. But that's what's going to frustrate the work of the enemy. Not, not looking for what's been taken, but what do I have right now that I can submit to the Lord? What do I have right now that I can have an action involved with? What, what do I have right now that I can make a decision regarding? What do I have in my possession right now? What, what, and it may be that you're saying, you know what, me and my wife, we're not getting along well. Okay, you may be fussing all day long, but do you have one minute in the morning just to grab each other's hand? Baby, this may be the last time we talk nice to each other all day, but guess what? We're going to go to God right now and pray. We'll be ugly the rest of the day, but we're going to give that one thing we have right now. I have a feeling you do that a few days, you may be ugly less through the day. Amen? What's that one thing? I don't know what it is for you. I heard someone say when you're broke and God lays on your heart to give money, and I'm not a big money preacher, you guys know that. But I heard someone say one time, if you're broke and you don't have money to tithe, but you have a little bit of money... Be careful with that. Use it for God because that's not your harvest. That's your seed. If ever, what's in my hand is like, that ain't enough. Well, that's not my harvest. That's my seed. Lord, what am I going to do with that little thing? Little things create harvest. Seed creates harvest. Amen? So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
It's what remains that's going to frustrate the enemy's plan. Do you have anything left? Do you have anything that remains right now? Is there any joy? Is there any hope? Is there any little thing the Lord's laying in your heart? Well, you have this. This is the stump. Don't look at what's gone, but this is what you have. What is it in your life? And that's how Job was. Job looked at the situation, and here's what he said. Though he slay me regarding his body being ravaged with boils, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. One translation, when it says, though he slay me, yet will I praise him, one translation will actually say that, that even heaven can't keep me from having confidence in heaven. You ever feel like, God, you're not doing a real good job of me wanting to trust you. God, you're, you're kind of frustrating. I really want to love you, but you, you're kind of acting like my enemy. At least you feel that way. Oh, that's how the enemy kind of gets your mind thinking. Is God slaying Job? No. He's allowing all this to happen, and Job's going to come out better for it. Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. And guess what? Out of what he had left, it was enough. God begins to bring restoration, and God restored double to Job. And so listen, God is not just the God of what you have had in the past. God is not just the God of what you lost in the past. I remember when, and whatever that list might be. No, no. God is also the God of what you have right now that remains. And it may not feel like very much, but he's the Lord over that if you let him be the Lord over over that. I'm going to start wrapping this up if that's okay. I think of somebody in Scripture that lost so much. Samson lost everything. He lost his anointing. He had that strength that was from God that was symbolized in his hair. And if he lost his hair, he lost his strength. He lost his anointing. He lost his strength. He, 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 he lost his freedom. He gets to a point where he loses literally his physical vision. He, he is strapped like an animal to a grinding mill stone, and he's walking like the animal grinding out mill, blind, lost it all. Got his eyes off of what God was doing, and he lost it. He lost it all. And here's the thing that happens. The miracle isn't in what you've lost. It's in what remains. And what I love about Samson's story is he reaches up at one point, and what remains, his hair starts to grow back. It's not much, a follicle. You know how small a follicle is? It's not much. This was Samson. This was the judge of Israel. This was somebody that God had used to strike down a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. This was somebody who was a bad mamma jamma, and now he's blind, grinding out meal. And, and he's lost his everything, his call upon him, and all these things. He's supposed to destroy the Philistines, and he's lost all that ability. But guess what? He feels a little bit of hair, that follicle. I haven't lost everything. There's something growing. Hmm. Do you know where God begins the miracle in his life? Up here. I believe God begins most of our miracles right here in our minds. Amen? It starts to change the way we think about things, starts to help us to get our eyes off what we've lost, off the tree that's not there anymore, starts to look at the stump, okay, what are you going to do now, Lord? But it starts right here. God seems to always use the little that remains. So I want to say to you, since that's the case, and we've seen a lot of scripture, a lot of stories in scripture that point to that, so if that's the case, we need to make a decision to stop looking at what we don't have and begin looking at what we do. What is the Lord doing right now? 
Yes, life has handed you lemons. All right, guess what? You've got lemons. It's something better than being naked. You got something. You got lemons. Thank God for the lemons. How many people miss out on what God has next for them because they just quit a little too soon because they look at the lemons, it's like, this is stupid lemons. You just throw them down. They despise those small things that God's about to ready to use to bring forth great, a great miracle. Just quitting a little too soon on the relationship. Quitting a little too soon on your business adventure. Quitting a little too soon on trying to get your mind squared away. Yeah, you've been through depression over and over. I don't know who I'm saying this to, but there's somebody in this room right now. And you've been through depression over and over. You've been hospitalized over and over. And you feel in your heart, there's no way I'll ever be able to break free from this. God's wanting you to understand, yes, there is. God's going to break you free. Amen? God's going to deliver you and set you free from that depression. And I'm not saying the doctors can't do their work. They should. And I'm not saying medicine doesn't work. It does. But there's some times where God wants to do a mighty miracle. Right now, everybody join your hearts in prayer. I don't know who that is. But Jesus, in the name of Jesus, right now, all they can see is what's not. Their life is just characterized by seeing what's not. Lord, would you allow them to see that stump? You have something, and it's solid. It's solid that you can build a life on. It's solid that you can grow something in and through them. And we come against, in the name of Jesus, every lie of Satan that has tried to deceive and rob them of knowing your peace. Jesus, bring deliverance, bring healing in Jesus' name. If that's you, when this service is over, you come find us and let me know, okay? Because we won't be able to get you some help, all right? And I'm not going to call you out. That's not who we are, all right? But I'm just telling you, you know what? God sees you today, amen? Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. And so to have that mindset, to be able to thank the Lord for those lemons. For Nebuchadnezzar, he was actually restored. Watch this. Daniel 4, verse 34 through 37. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. I love that. His thinking started to come back into place. And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honor Him who lives forever, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation, begins to live a life of worship and praise. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. This is a man who has realized God took everything away. And allowed him to spend seven years living like an animal. And through the midst of it, realized a greater work was taking place. Those who walk in pride, God's able to humble. A greater work was taking place in him. And he begins to turn his heart toward worship. Not bitterness against God, but toward worship. And begins to say, God, I don't get it, but all your ways are right. God, I don't get why you took me through this, but all your ways are just. Amen. My reason returned to me. Last week I told you, it's your posture towards the obstacles that makes the difference. Not difference, and I believe that. When you have things in life you face, how you posture yourself 
makes the difference. But that's only partly true. Let's stand to our feet. That's only partly true. The greater truth is this. It's your posture towards God that makes the difference. Come, Scripture says, let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though all this stuff is attributed against me because of Jesus, I can begin to reason together with Him. Lord, I receive you as my Savior. I recognize you're the one that covers my sins. All this that I'm undone, I give it to you. And Jesus is a perfect model of that. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Here, here's his story. He went to a tree, all right, a stump, if you will. And it didn't look like much. It was a place that was cursed, actually. A tree, to die on a tree was a very cursed thing. And he was cursed so that you don't have to be cursed. He was rejected, so you don't have to be rejected. And the Bible says he died on that cross, went into the grave for three days. Guess what was left in the grave? Just a body that remained. That was it. Nothing else. A body, a flesh that would rot, just like yours, just like mine, if left in that grave or in that tomb. But three days later, the power of the Holy Spirit came, quickened him, raised Jesus from the grave, and Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, our risen Savior. Amen? And I want to tell you it's the same way. The Holy Spirit, you may not feel your mortal body, but the Bible says if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He quickens your mortal body. Everything seems like it's died, and all there is is a stump. You're right. That stump is your soul. That stump is your spirit. It's just who you are without Jesus is just a stump. But guess what? God's about to bring fresh life to you. Amen? And that comes through the person of Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're like, Ross, I want this Savior. I want Jesus in my life. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I do want to see your hand. I want to pray with you just as you stand there. If that's you, if you're like, Ross, I want new life. Everything in my life has died, and I recognize some of that's my fault because of sin. Some of that stuff is because of this world, but I want to give it all to Jesus. If that's you right now, just hold up your hand. Is there anybody here today? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody? I want to give it to Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer. Jesus, I give you everything, both small and large in my life. You are Lord of all. Forgive me for my sins. I want a relationship with you where you are my Savior, and I can have confidence I'll go to heaven because of the work that you did on the cross for me. But Jesus, also, you're my Lord, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise, amen. Amen, amen, amen. What you have, you may not feel like it looks like much. That thing that remains, that just that little lemon drop, that's all it is. Just, just a little, I'm going to get one. They, they're going to give these to you on your way out. It's just a little lemon drop. That's all it is. But there is sweetness in what God can do with what you put into His hands. There really is. What is the little thing in your life that's remaining right now? What is that little thing? Here in a second, I'm going to open the altars. We're going to sing one more worship song. And what I want you to do, if there's something you need to give to the Lord and say, Lord, this is that little thing that I've despised. 
This is that little thing I've looked down upon. This is that little thing that, I've, that, that, that I, I recognize I've lost it all, but I have this. If there's something that you're just wanting to be reminded of, that that's that little thing that God has placed in your life, just come forward and present it in worship to the Lord. And we're not going to lay hands on you. Just at this altar, from this side all the way to that side, just kneel at the altar for a little bit. As you say, Lord, this is that little thing I give to you. I thank you for it. I appreciate it. All the other things may be gone, but I appreciate you for this from you, Lord. And just give it back to him in worship. Because, man, when you put things in God's hands, he can do great things. I want a small, yet your last. You ready how Job finishes out? Job 8, 7, ready for this? Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. That's good, amen? That's so good I wanted to hear it in another translation. Here's another one. Your beginnings were modest, but your final days will be full of prosperity. I like that. Watch this. Though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. Some of y'all need to praise God in here for some things that seem small, seem like it's just the last thing to remain, but God's going to use that in your life. My final one here. Your beginnings will seem humble because so prosperous will your future be. I, I forget some of the hard days we went through, Amy and I, because I'm just walking in the, the blessing now. But there was a whole lot of years I didn't feel like I was walking in that blessing. But I forget those humble days. Because we're walking in the beauty and the things the Lord has. That tree is starting to grow again. We're starting to see, we're starting to see the fruit on the tree again. We're starting to see the beasts come in again. There's a whole lot of beasts in this room. So many people in this room, you're not beasts, but you know what I'm saying. Coming to get all God has. Mm, I love it. If you felt your spirit leap as I read those scriptures, if you felt that, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And that may be all you have left is just that word. You heard that scripture, and it caused your heart to leap. And that's all that you have left. That's all right. That's enough. Letting his word remain in your heart is enough. Amen? And so as we go back into worship, I just want you to feel that freedom. Just come to an altar. This is a place where men meet God. And you just make a physical decision. I'm going to get my feet in motion. And I'm going to get my eyes on the stump. I'm going to get my eyes on the cross. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus, my worship on Jesus. And I'm going to thank him for this little thing in my life because I know, God, you're working all things out for my good in Jesus' name. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.